Throw that picture up on the screen for me, would you please? This young man is a 27-year-old Leonid Rogosov. I think it's his last name, Rogosov. Rogozov, Rogozov. He was a, a Russian phys, a physician. In 1960, he went with a group of uh, Soviets to the um, Antarctica, where he was uh, kind of a part of an exploration party. And then after he was there, decided to actually stay at the, the station that was there. Um, in 1961, April 1961, he started feeling uh, feverish. Uh, he started having abdominal pain. Uh, he started feeling uh, cramps and, and, and felt like he had some kind of infection. And along the way, he finally self-diagnosed himself with appendicitis. The problem was he was the only physician at the station. Uh, the weather was such they couldn't fly him out to, to get him somewhere for surgery. And they couldn't bring anybody in to take care of him. So he did what I think most of us would think would be unthinkable. He performed surgery on himself. Throw that picture up on the screen. Now, I spared you the gory part of this picture. (laughs) But he literally uh, gave himself a a, a Novocaine shot and began to perform surgery on himself. Now, he did have two people helping him. Um, One was a meteorologist. (laughs) who actually handled, handed him his, his tools as he needed them, his instruments. Uh, the other was a mechanic who held a mirror and a light so that he could see what he was doing. The surgery took about an hour and 45 minutes to perform. And when he was done, he ended up sewing himself up with wire, sewing the, the incision shut. And, uh, and, 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 and thankfully, uh, the fever left within a day, and he was back to normal within about five days. So that next picture up on the screen, you can see him talking there. He's in recovering. He's got his rug wrap talking to one of his buddies who, who had helped him in this. Now, when I'm, re- when I'm reading this article, I'm just thinking, that's just unbelievable to me that somebody would do that. How many, how many of you think you could do surgery on yourself? What was funny was he talked about in the article, he talked about how, you know, he, he had a hard time, you know, just kind of as he was doing it. But the two guys helping him who had never been in an operating room before, he said they almost fainted a number of times. He said, here you guys are helping him with a mirror, you know, kind of, kind of doing this. He said they almost, they almost fainted. But could you do the surgery if your life depended on it? He, what he knew was if I don't do this, I'm going to die. Now, when I asked for a survey in the first service, I said, how many of you would do it if you were going to die? About half of them go, I'd rather go be with Jesus. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just not going to do surgery on myself. But, but, you know, if it came down to it and life was on the line, I think at least some of us would, would, would attempt it. Now, I want you to put that thought in the back of your mind because what I want to talk about today is exactly that. I, I want to talk about some self-surgery. I want to talk about asking God to help us work on us. We've been in a series called The Seven Habits of Healthy Relationships. And we've talked about the habit of honesty and how our relationships improve the day that we start really being real with each other. We talked about listening and not just hearing words, but really trying to listen to the hearts of people that we're in relationships with. Last week, I I talked about one that was really hard. I I talked about the the habit of confrontation 
and being willing to speak up and have honest, hard conversations with one another. Today, what I want to talk about is, is actually not a hard thing to do, but it is, I think, something that most of us shy away from. I want to talk about the habit of self-examination. Everybody say out loud after me. Maybe it's me. I want you to turn to the person you're sitting beside and just tell them. So maybe it's me. <laughs> yeah, some of you are going, I've been telling you that all along. Yeah, yeah it is you. you know. I, I want us to begin with that statement because that's, that's really the theme of the morning. I want to challenge you with this thought. I believe that every one of us, our relationships will get dramatically better the day we take responsibility for ourselves. And instead of in our relationships, assuming that the problem is with the people around us, what if we started by assuming it's with us? And at least starting here, asking God to do something in us before we try to, to see what may be going on in the people around us. Now, the, I can go all through scripture and show you where God points this out, but let me give you a, a great text of scripture. It's on your sermon outline. If you want to take your sermon outline out and track along with me, we'll throw it up on the screen for you. It's one of my favorite verses. It's actually a, 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 a two verses of scripture that I, I try to pray every day in my own personal prayer time. And these are the words. Read them out loud with me if you would. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, just a thought, but, but when is the last time you ever just sat with God and made that the focal point of your prayer? Now, what's funny, I've talked about this before, what's funny about this psalm and this, these passages of Scripture is in Psalm 139, the, the whole psalm, the psalmist is talking about how well God knows him. He says, you know, the Lord, you, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You know, you were there in my, inmost, in my inmost places. When If I go to the highest heights, you're there. If I go to the deepest depths, you're there. You know, your, your spirit always goes before me and behind me. And he, and, he, and he goes through this whole psalm of talking about how well God knows him. Then he gets to the end and he says, search me, O Lord, and know me. Well, why would he ask God to know him if God already knows him so well? Here's the point. He's not asking God to know him. Here's what he's really praying. Lord, help me know me like you know me. Help me search me like you search me. Take me to those inmost places that I really don't want to go that you already know about so that I can walk on the path that you have for me. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is an incredible personal challenge. Now, let me, let me kick it off by giving you five benefits of doing self-examination. When we, when we really practice this discipline, and it is a discipline, when we really practice this, why is it so important? Let me give you several reasons. One, we are the common denominators in our relationships. We are the common denominators in our relationships. You've got a lot of relationships in your life, but the common denominator in all of those is you. Wherever you go, there you are. And for many of our relationships, unless we let God change us, nothing's going to change in the relationships around us. Secondly, sometimes, believe it or not, we're not coming across as we think. Sometimes we're not coming across as we think. How many of you have ever um, had an incident where 
Somebody took something you said totally opposite of the way that you meant it. How many of you have ever had that happen? Now, that could be because they're idiots, which is usually what we think. Why in the world would you take it that way? Why would you do that? How dumb can you be? You know, those are the thoughts that go through. But what if, what if we're not communicating it in a way that really connects with them? What, what if the words we say don't match up with our intent of what we're trying to get across? You see, when, when you study communication, here's what you discover. About 7% of communication is actually the words that you speak. 93% of communication comes from the tone that you use uh, or the voice inflection or your facial expressions or your body language. That's 93% of communication. Now, I, you know, my beautiful wife, Wanda, who's sitting here in the front row, you know, I can say, I love you. That communicates a message, doesn't it? Or I could say, I love you. <laughs> now that communicates an altogether different message, doesn't it? You see, it's not the words, it's how we say it. I said this a, a couple, few weeks ago. How you say what you say is more important than what you say. And sometimes, believe it or not, we're not coming across like we think, which is why we need to do some self-reflection. Number three, we all need to grow in various areas. We all need to grow. How many of you would be honest enough to admit this morning that you've got areas in your life that you know you need to grow? Okay. Now, what's funny is we, we will accept that in almost every, every instance except relationships. Because in relationships, we blame. You know, we, we, we blame. It's, it's not really my fault. It's their fault. I, I, I'm going to guess in this room and watching online, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that there are some of us watching right now that sometime in the last month at least, so, someone said to somebody in your world, you just need to grow up. Oh, I see some elbows back there. Yeah, yeah. You know why we say that? Because we always think the problem is with them. But what if it's us? What if it's me that needs to grow up? Because the reality is we all need to grow in our relationships. And some of us do parts of our relationships really well. Look at me. But for some of us, in some parts of our relationship, we really need to grow because we're not doing that so well. You see, when I compare myself to other people, I can give myself a pass. I can always find people who, who do worse than I do at things, you know? And, and when, I, when I compare myself to them, I feel pretty good about me. But if I'm honest and I start comparing myself to people who do it better, or God forbid that I compare myself to Jesus, my model, you know, then all of a sudden I've got some room to develop. Let me, let me give you a good visual of this. Um, I don't really think of myself as, as tall, I'm about six foot tall, but I never really thought of myself as tall until, throw that picture up on the screen, I married Wanda. <laughs> now, every day of my life at home, I feel tall. I'm like the land of the giants and I am the giant, you know? And Wanda's always asking me to reach things that are up high and put stuff away. And she's always, oh, you're so tall. Oh, you know, and, and, I, and I, I think of myself, I, you know, I always think of myself as, as tall. Um, you know, I've, Wanda's got a, a, a stool that sometimes she uses to get things. When she stands up on that stool, she's about my height. And I remember standing up her one day going, this is what it looks like from up here. You know, this is kind of that perspective. But, you know, I feel tall. But then there are sometimes I don't feel so tall. Throw that next picture up. 
That's uh, Perry Jones uh, played for the Oklahoma City Thunder here a few years back, and he was over at MacU for the thing, and, and I had my picture taken with him. Here's a guy seven foot tall. I felt really, really short next to him. You see, the reality is when we compare ourselves to other people, if we compare ourselves to the right people, we recognize we've got need to grow. Amen? We need to grow. Fourth, we can't ask others to search their hearts if we won't search ours. You know, so often we, we, we challenge people, you know, to do a heart check or to check their motivations or, or, or to check that. And we want them, we want them to search and say, you know, if you'll, just, if you'll just look inside, you'll know this is true. Well, we can't really ask them to do that if we're not really willing to do that. And let me give you the last one. And this one hurts a lot. We are the only ones we can fix. We are the only ones we can fix. Come on, it's just us. This is group therapy this morning. How many of you be honest enough to admit you've spent a lifetime trying to fix people? Yeah. How's that working for you? <laughs> Not so good, is it? No, because what, what do you realize? You realize that you, you can't fix them. You only make yourself crazy and them crazy trying to fix them. You, you see, the only person you can change with God's help is yourself. And the day we understand that is the day that we'll stop trying to fix the people around us and we'll really work on letting God fix us. And you say, wow, Pastor Steve, that's so true. How do I do that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you a few thoughts of ways you can actually put this into practice. Are you ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. Have some truth tellers in your life who will give you honest feedback. Have some truth tellers in your life who will give you honest feedback. Now, what's interesting is a lot of us have people in our lives who, you know, they, they, they love us. And so they're, they're always telling us night things. And they're always telling us how great we are, how beautiful we are, how, you know, how well we do and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, and that may be true for the most part. But look at me. Hear my heart. Everybody needs someone in their life who loves them enough to tell them the truth. Someone who loves them enough to point out some things that other people aren't going to mention because it's just too uncomfortable for them. You know, I, when I was writing this, I, I, I just kind of sat back for a second and I was just thinking about my journey of growing up and just some of the people that God placed along my path that really helped me because they were willing to point out some things about me that other people really weren't willing to point out. And, uh, and I owe an incredible debt, uh, particularly to Coach Holly, Coach Willie Holly, from, who was my basketball coach at Mid-America Christian University, because <laughs> Willie was one of those guys, he was going to point it out. You know, and sometimes he was, you know, fairly com confrontational about it. He was like 6'4", 250, 260 pounds. He could be really intimidating. And sometimes, you know, he would, he would get in your face and, and, and call it like it was. And sometimes he'd put you back in heel. But here, here's what I always knew about with Willie, that it always came from a heart of love. Willie's commitment was to make me the best man that he could make me. And he was willing to say to me some things that I really needed to hear that other people weren't willing to say. Truth tellers are invaluable that way. I love the passage of scripture from Proverbs 27, six. Read it with me. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses 
from an enemy. So true. I put this statement on your outline. Truth tellers are like side view mirrors. They can help you check your blind spots. Oh, and everybody's got blind spots. There's a guy in uh, uh, central, kind of north central Florida named Jack Kale. And Jack wrote this, this blog and he was talking about uh, living in Florida and just how humid it is all the time. And he said, you know, we'd lived there for a while. And he said, you know, our, our, our fence, he said, I, I realized one day, he said, was just, it was gray, you know, it had lost its real color. And he said, the sun had just kind of bleached it out gray. And he said, but it's so humid. He said, you get, he said we started getting these dark spots all over the place because, you know, mildew just grows everywhere there. And he said, but you know, when you see something every day, he said, it's amazing how comfortable you can get with it. And he said, I looked around and he said, all my neighbor's fences were the same way. We had all kind of moved in the neighborhood about the same time and, and all of our fences were like that. And he said, you know, I come out, he goes, I'm paying attention to my flowers and all that. But he goes, my fences are disgustingly ugly. He said, but I'm not even, I'm not even noticing until I had a neighbor move in. His name was Ed. And he said, Ed moved in from South Florida and Ed knew how bad uh, mold and mildew and all that could be. And he said, Ed came home one day and he had bought a power washer. And he said, so Ed power washes his fence. And said, when he got done power washing his fence, his fence looked brand new. He said, now all of a sudden my fence looked disgusting. He said, now I didn't come out in my fence, blend into a neighborhood of other disgusting fences. Now, every day I came out and there's Ed's fence, you know, looking so good. And I see mine in comparison. He said, finally, I couldn't stand it. And I went over and I borrowed his power washer and I came in and I power washed my fence. And he said, it was beautiful. He said, I got addicted to it. He said, I started power washing my deck and power washing my pool and power washing my house. He said, I wanted everything to look at. He said, it's amazing what you'll do if you just get a little pressure from the outside. What a great insight. You see, Jack decided to clean up his act when he had a friend in his life who he got to compare himself to. Look at me, just hear my heart. We need some friends who love us enough to pull us aside once in a while and say, can I share something with you that I think you may not be aware of, but I think you really need to know. Have some truth tellers. They'll check your blind spots for you. Here's another thought that'll, that'll help you put this into practice. When you're looking for where you really need God to work in your life and, and some relational things that you need, look, look for the commonalities that show up frequently in your relationships. Look for the commonalities that show up frequently in your relationship. And I put a few questions there to kind of ask you, ask you some of this, and some of you are going to be able to relate to this. Here's the first one. Am I choosing the same kind of messed up people? Am I choosing the same kind of messed up people? Now, some of us who have gone through the recovery program and have applied those principles to our life realize that sometimes we gravitate toward the wrong kind of people. And sometimes, for whatever reason, we've developed this propensity to bring people in our lives who are really messed up. Uh, sometimes we don't think we're worthy of other kinds of people. Uh, sometimes we gravitate toward them because that's all we know. 
Sometimes, if we're honest, we gravitate toward people who are a real mess because it gives us a project to work on. And we like to work on people because helping other people meets a need for us to be needed. The problem is, what we discovered already, is we can't fix those people. And so after having someone who's a project for a while, you know what? We get tired of working on them. And we ask the question, aren't you ever going to change? And the answer is, no. Why would they change? You're doing everything for them. <laughs> you know, and that's a great question to ask. Why, why do I constantly choose messed up people? And I could give you a thousand examples of that. Secondly, am I dealing with the same kind of issues Am I dealing with the same kind of issues? Sometimes I'll have people say to me, you know, Pastor Steve, everywhere I go, people take advantage of me. Listen to that statement. Everywhere I go, people take advantage of me. Well, everywhere you go, there you are. Something's got to change. If you're having that same issue in multiple places, maybe Maybe it might be you. You know, if, if I've got a problem with Tammy and I have that same problem with Chuck and, and I have that same problem with Chris, maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> and, and then we get, are, are those issues? In fact, it, it's so funny. When I, get, when I went into ministry, you know, many years ago, when I became a pastor, I was so naive, just so naive. And every once in a while, we'd have somebody who would show up at our church. It'd be a, a brand, new, brand new family. And they would come in, and, they would, and when I would meet them, after they'd come for a Sunday or two, they, they would say, oh, we're just so excited to find this church. We've been to church after church after church, and this church was a mess, and that church was a mess, and that church was a mess. And, and we came here, and, oh, you're so wonderful as a pastor, and this church is so great. We're just so grateful to be here. And I'm so naive. I'm just standing there going, oh, yes, it's true. It's true. You know, and what you don't, and what I came to realize is that people who will leave another church to come to your church, they'll leave your church to go to another church. Because sometimes, sometimes these people are just taking their problems with them wherever they go. Does this make sense to you? And every once in a while, you can say, you know what? If I, if the same issue is there everywhere I go, maybe I'm the issue. Here's the last one: Am I hearing the same complaints? Am I hearing the same complaints? Do I frequently hear people say to me, why are you so angry? Do I frequently hear people say, you know, you really come across pretty rough. Do I frequently hear people say, you know, it seems like whenever we talk, you just clam up. Am I hearing the same thing in several relationships? And if so, if I'm hearing that same complaint over and over again, maybe I need to let God deal with me about that. Amen? What are the commonalities? Let me give you one more. Make self-examination a part of your daily walk with God. Make self-examination a part of your daily walk with God. I, I just want you to process this thought. When you have your quiet time with God and you pray, Do you pray more for you or do you find yourself spending most of your prayer time praying for other people? Now, just hear my heart. Sometimes our tendency to pray for other people 
helps us escape from putting ourselves under the spotlight of God. Now, I'm just going to tell you what God has told me. And that is, I need to spend more time letting God deal with me than I do asking God to deal with the people around me. Does this make sense to you? You know, what I discovered is when I let God deal with Steve, he takes care of things with Wanda. When I ask God to help me as a pastor, he takes care of things with my congregation. When I ask God to make me a better leader, he takes care of things with my staff. You see, I spend a a lot of time praying for other people, but never really opening myself and saying, search me, oh God, know my heart. And when I let God into my inmost places, that's where the real work gets done. A couple questions, a couple things, a couple thoughts you can have. One is pray, pray for you before you pray for others. Spend some time just praying for yourself and what you know is your own needs before God and the things that you need God to do. Secondly, this is huge, read the Bible looking for you in the pages. Looking, read your Bible looking for you in those pages. When you're reading it, don't be thinking about, oh man, I need to tell somebody else about this verse. Ask God, Lord, let your word refine me into who I need to be. And lastly, ask God to change you before you ask him to change others. There's a gal named Dana Gresh who... um, wrote an article about inviting God into our, our marriages. And, and she was so vulnerable in this. I just thought this was so good. She, she talked about the fact for a long time in her marriage that she didn't really feel loved. And she had been praying over and over again, God, would you make my husband more loving? Would you make my husband more loving? Would you help him do this for me? Would you help him do that for me? And, and what she began to understand was that she was not praying the right way. And here, here's what she says. She said, the greatest symptom that my need for love was misdirected was that I was praying for God to change my husband without having the humility to ask God how he wanted to change me. It's never wrong to ask God to to make your husband or wife more like him. However, when your prayers are void of your own need, this might indicate you're trying to have your needs met through a person's love rather than through God's. When I realized this in my own life, I simply asked God to make me hungry for him. It takes a lot of courage to admit that your marriage may not be exactly what you want it to be because you are not exactly what you need to be. Be brave. Put yourself under God's care to be changed. Great words. I'm going to ask my uh, prayer partners if you guys would go ahead and come to the front. In just a moment, Rachel's going to lead us in just a, one of my favorite choruses that uh, songs that I, I sometimes sing when I'm just walking here in the sanctuary it's a, it's a beautiful invitation that says spirit of the living God fall fresh on me 
I put at the bottom of your outline some words I just want you to think about. Humility before God is the key to harmony with others. I don't know what you need today. I, maybe that prayer alone is spirit of the living God fall fresh on me. Maybe that's what you really need to pray. Lord, fill me to overflowing. Maybe some of you are walking through some tough places in relationships. And, and maybe you've been asking God to change everybody else. And, and maybe where you need to begin is to say, Lord, would you change me? And see what happens when you really allow the Lord to change who you are and how you, how you live. Maybe some of you today, what I've talked about this morning didn't really hit you, but, but there's some other things going on that you'd really like someone to pray with you about. And whatever your need is for, for health or for finances or for uh, something that you're facing in your life, our prayer partners would be happy to pray with you about that. Don't miss this opportunity just to lean into God and let him speak to you. Father, we spend a lifetime blaming other people in our lives for our relationship problems when a lot of the time the issue really is with us. But we'll never discover that until we surrender ourselves to the discipline of self-examination. Lord, I, I love the words of the psalmist, and they're just great words for us to commit to memory. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Lord, point out anything in me that's not of you. And then lead me, Lord, in your ways of everlasting. Father, would you help that prayer become our daily prayer? And maybe, just maybe, when you, we let you work in us, then maybe, Lord, we'll find that our relationships begin to get healthier. Father, we, we love you, and we surrender these in our world to you. We can't fix them, and we can't change them. But we do know, Lord, that if we open our hearts fully to you, you can change us. So do that, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let the flame of your Spirit fall upon us and, and just consume Anything that's not of you. Make us, Lord, we pray, more like you. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. And everyone said, amen.